So what do you think of my little vessel? She's what we call seaworthy, S-E-E, -E, see with your eyes. I feel like my transport should be an extension of my personality. Voila. And this, this is like my little window to the world, and every minute's a different show. Now, I may not understand it. I may not even necessarily agree with it, but I'll tell you what, I accept it and just sort of glide along. You want to keep things on an even keel, I guess is what I'm saying. You want to go with the flow. The sea refuses no river. The idea is to remain in a state of constant departure while always arriving. It saves on introductions and goodbyes. The ride does not require an explanation, just occupants. That's where you guys come in. It's like you come onto this planet with a crayon box. Now you may get the eight pack, you may get the 16 pack, but it's all in what you do with the crayons, the colors that you're given. And don't worry about drawing within the lines or coloring outside the lines. I say color outside the lines, you know what I mean? Color right off the page. Don't box me in. We're in motion to the ocean. We are not landlocked, I'll tell you that. So where do you want out? Uh, who, me? My first? Um, I don't know, really anywhere is fine. Well, just, just, just give me an address or something, okay? Uh, tell you what, go up three more streets, take a right, go two more blocks, drop this guy off on the next corner. Where's that? Well, I don't know either, but it's somewhere, and it's gonna determine the course of the rest of your life. All ashore that's going ashore. <laughs> Abs and a six pack. Abs and a six pack. It's Abs and a six pack broadcasting live on the sixth of January, two thousand and twenty-one. We are doing this. It live. Is a new live son of a bitch. Joined by Hacker Mike of the Stream hey. of Random podcast. What's happening, Chris? How you doing, man? Stream of Random, available where all podcasts are sold. We are newly on Apple iTunes as well. I'm still not on there. <laughs> I can help you. I, can <laughs> I think it's the up, image man. size. I think it's the image size is what is giving me problems. Well, we'll talk about that after the show. Okay. Okay. Well, anyways, man, crazy day. You were talking about um, something your dad got out of there in time or in the nick of time or something. So my dad joined a busload of Patriots this morning. They got up at 4 o'clock this morning, and they drove down from Trumpistan, Pennsylvania, <laughs> all the way to D.C. for the protest. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage and your service. <laughs> and... uh yeah, he made it out on time. He, they left at four, and um, I guess he didn't storm the Capitol with his uh, walker. No, I saw <laughs> baked Alaska, baked Alaska, and Nick Fuentes and a couple other people were in Nancy Pelosi's office. Baked Alaska. Hold on, I have to look that up. He, uh, you know, who Nick Fuentes is, right? Let's take a look. And baked Alaska. They were, I mean, I think it was real. It looked like they were in Nancy Pelosi's office. And I saw a tweet from Nancy Pelosi that said, like, I got hacked, smiley face. So, damn. It's, it's, shit's popping off. I mean, they took, they really did take over the Capitol building. It's interesting. Um, 
I don't know. I don't think it's a good look for MAGA. Uh, it's not going to win anybody over that is not already on the Trump train. I don't think, but I think it's just going to be one more excuse that people are going to use. Um, well, first of all, let me just say that I think the people have raised objection to the vote count. Let's just put it that way. Right. <laughs> they have interrupted the vote count. They've raised objection. That's what you call raising objection. Yeah, to put it lightly. Yeah. Um, and it, it must have been planned. It seems like they let him get in. It seems like, um, I mean, there's a lot of talk that, like, the people... I don't. It's all speculation, but there's talk that like the the real agitators in there were Antifa posing as Trump supporters. But uh-huh. I mean that that can't be all of them because you have like I said, like Baked Alaska and Nick Fuentes and a lot of the uh-huh. quote unquote alt right guys were involved with all that. Um, I don't know. I do have uh, just since Twitter's trying to get rid of this, uh, figured we could play Trump's statement. You can't retweet, like, or share it, but. Uh, is take a picture on Twitter. So in general, in general, in uh, general, right-click and say save, or just Control S and save the whole page. Um, yeah. If you're worried about uh, if you're worried about something, there's different tools to archive, but generally the web browser will do a full save of the page with all the data in it. Right. Yeah. And uh, we can doc- we we can document the audio of it here. Uh, Mm-hmm. No text with this. It it does say this claim is disputed that in typical Twitter fashion for everything Trump says lately. But uh, Trump made a, a statement. Uh, this was an hour ago that Trump tweeted out this video. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election. And everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. There you go. Wow. And that pissed off both sides because the the left-wingers are like, oh, he's still egging them on by saying the election was stolen and he's He's like, you know, Agnamon, and then the, the MAGA people were like, oh, he's telling us to go home. Like, we're, he's not even supporting us, so Trump didn't win many people over with that little statement, but I thought it was fine. I think it's good that he said that. Yeah, same. Um, he didn't, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't admit defeat in the election, but at the same time, he's like, hey, we got to do this peacefully. I think that was okay. Nobody seemed to like it, though. He absolutely has to do that. Um, he has to uh, disavow violence because, <clears throat> especially as a politician, it's exactly what is expected of him. 
it would be calls to violence uh, to, let's say, to, to, to make him look like he's crazy and to also delegitimize, oh my God. Delegitimize. Illegitimate, yes, delegitimize, thank you. Delegitimatize. Delegitimatize him. We don't <laughs> want that. Yeah. Ain't nobody want that. Nope. Typical politician. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to find a way to create an archive of a uh, website. There's different um, There's different tools for creating archives of websites for snapshotting them. Like a screenshot or like a full <clears throat> interactive page? It's a full interactive page. Uh, cool. There's a couple of them out there. Like you know the, the Wayback, Wayback machine, machine thing. You yeah, know yeah. the Wayback Machine, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, here. Archive.today looks like. Archive.st. Here you go. You people are fantastic. You just type in the uh, archive.st. You type in the uh, twitter.com real Donald Trump and hit archive. Lots of people wanting Trump banned from Twitter today, I'm seeing. Which, of course, if you're talking Pat Oswalt and that type they want them banned every day but like i've seen like mm -hmm. people i know like enough is enough ban the president from twitter yep so and uh this, this is, is so whole, important we have to do this this is the uh entire narrative of the left which is because of fascism and fascism is, de is defined as anything um anything to the right of Stalin, uh, we have to ban all free speech. And they have used that um, since the beginning of communism. They've used uh, the threat of fascism to ban free speech from the very beginning. Um, there's, I have a whole bunch of podcasts on that. There's a whole history behind it. It goes back to the 30s. It went all the way to the UN. There was huge fights over... Um, <clears throat> I did a whole podcast series on this. There's been huge fights on um, United Nations, uh, International Declaration of Human Rights, where the communist nations, uh, you know, under Russia, wanted to prevent any free speech as being a human right. Yeah. So these people are crazy. It's uh no, it is a long-term goal. Um, of uh, whatever you want to call it, the communist agenda or um, the new world order or whatever, like whatever group or term you want to give it. It's like, yeah, the step number one and, you know, every tyrant throughout history understood this. Like the first step is censorship of speech, you know. It's, uh, so it's you... my my term that I came up with is the cyber communist chairperson or chairman. Oh, yeah, I like that. Because cyber communist. Not... It's a cyber communist. It's more than just the old school communist party. We're talking about the censorship baked into the algorithm. Where the um, foot soldiers, the Stasi or the, yeah, the Stasi under Germany, the Stasi, the secret police would um, engage neighbors to spy on each other. And they would Everyone would be working for the Stasi, and that's what it's kind of like with Google, with Facebook. Everybody's working for them. It they have 
they have a job creation program to take every uh, Starbucks barista and turn them into sensors. You know, they just sit them yeah. in their little cubicle at home in Austin and have them work on trouble tickets all day, eating the machine, uh, looking at videos and, and guiding the AI. They're just little cells in the global brain of the cyber communist. My favorite thing that with that phenomenon that started happening, uh, I think Facebook was the main uh, news coverage of it, where they had people going through videos that get flagged to s figure out which ones to censor. Uh -huh. And there was this phenomenon where all the Facebook people having to censor conspiracy theories and remove Alex Jones videos. It's like a good percentage of them started to believe in the conspiracy theories. <laughs> they, they got red pilled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Alex Jones has been um, more and more uh, true. I mean, he'll the, just the, say the, it's the, a false the, flag. You have any false flag the, clips? The, the, Alex? The, the, I got this one. The the the, the, the uh false flag let's see let's what alex what alex do i got um i got the i'll go to hell i will be you know what i will go to i will go to hell before i sit here and i watch this country and the world turned over to these savages i'm done i'm pissed and i'm not putting up with it anymore you let me tell you something, you filthy traitors of the government, you pieces of crap. You are the most degenerate, twisted, mentally ill people I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, no no false flag. I, got, I mean, I got the classic one where he's feeding a bunch of llamas on the set of InfoWars cookies. You know, it's classic. Can I give you a cookie? Can I give you a cookie? Oh, a cookie. Yeah. And he doesn't that's feed his llamas fluoride. Hey, you give your llamas fluoride? Hell no, we don't Hell give no. them fluoride. Be I mean, that's something that really sinks in for people. Yeah. So anyway, no, you know, no, none of the. I mostly went for all the the goofy Alex Jones ISOs. Uh, not many of the, the. I, I don't really clip Alex when he's making a good point. At least as far as the short clips go. Yeah, uh, and but, this is uh, what really. Um... So I was doing some research into Alex. There was that one clip where he's talking about the interdimensional aliens, and he's like, let me in, let me in. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> build this, build this, let me in. We're really going to help you. We're friendly little guys. Yeah, we're friendly little guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good, dude. <laughs> but you think you could find that clip if you wanted to? Uh, bu -bu 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 -bu. And then I started researching into, like, I'm a big, like, archivist. I'm, like, a computer nerd. I like work on Wikipedia and archive.org and I'm all into open data and all that crap mm -hmm. and open source. You know about open source? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what, that dang old internet, man, you just go on there and point and click, get in there and talk about www.wcom. You got then that naked chicks on there, man. You go click, click, <laughs> click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. Man. Open source software is usually the way to go. I think, uh, a lot of what I'm using is open source voice meter audacity, if, at least if my definition of open source is oh, the yeah. same as yours. Yeah. That's right. And um, I think I got a, I bought a domain, www.internet.com. No way. Internet.com yeah. was not taken. Yeah. It, no, it's www.dotinternet.com. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I have to awesome. look up the yeah, or, or it was an email at internet. Anyway, I came up with some stupid email, um, domains like that. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah.
got to uh, actually build up some content for that. So yeah, um, I'm trying to yeah, launch I, this I whole that... meme. Go oh, ahead. sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't have that uh, Alex Jones open the dimensions clip offhand, but uh, he, there, I mean, there's, uh, there's plenty of those. Uh, pink, that Ping Trip video is a really good boil down, the Meet the Alien by Ping Trip. But let's just uh, stop and say we need to archive all of InfoWars and transcribe the entire archive. 27 years of InfoWars? Exactly. That yeah. is a project that needs to be done. Because there's so I mean, much... It's a hard pass on my end. That's too much work. Well, too much work. Let's say too much work. Okay, I'm not saying that you have to do it. <laughs> one person has to do it. I'm into these whole community projects. Like Wikipedia. How does Wikipedia work? Right. You know. But that I think that's defined as a goal. Like, we need to archive Alex Jones. And we need to... Um, we need to... Uh, to actually index what he said and... and transcribe it because there's so much information in there and he's not working on a scientific level he's not like collecting footnotes and presenting facts he's just like sometimes he does what drives me crazy is you're hating me right now because you're not drinking but rarely he's he rarely presents facts he's like oh look it up yourself right look it up right it's a fact but he's not presenting like a scientific argument most of the time like, yeah, well, ridiculous. Sometimes, started... sometimes, sometimes he'll do the document cam shot, please. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you sure. know, he'll go through the. But yeah, you're right. A lot of times he just goes off on a kind of a crazy rant. Uh, That's not how you presents... open a can of pickles. Pickles, <laughs> pickles, pickles. And even if he does present the documents, he's not like presenting the PDFs in his show notes, right? With references. Uh, let's be where nice. He got them. Be nice. Uh, let's be nice. Come on now. Don't pick well, on okay, Alex. I'll be nice. Alex it looks is like you're having a great service. Sorry. He's doing a great service to human humanity. Yeah. He has one of the best cooking shows on the web. What? Chicken McNuggets. It's really good. <laughs> uh, so, so I, uh, <laughs> no, I, Alex will always be near and dear in my heart as like the greatest entertainer of all time, even though I, don't always agree with them, although most of the time I tend to agree with them. But um, controlled opposition yeah, I mean, uh, and and false flag. I think that's what we could say. I mean, it's possible that we could postulate that and say maybe they let them in. We don't know. Or it was, Aww. or it was uh, some, you know, they they all, all of these groups are infiltrated by. Um, by agents, agent provocateurs. That's what we. Right. That's the term. Well, even even Alex knows he's evil. I know I'm <laughs> evil. He knows. No, uh, <clears throat> I mean I could talk about Alex all day, but um, dude, I've been listening to your show, Stream of Random, which will be linked in the show notes, and you're on. You've since the early on the earliest episode I remember hearing you were on the uh, mycelium network fungus kick mm-hmm. that's tied into. Um, dimensions below and above us that shape our reality, and you're, you've been fleshing out this theory that's very terrifying, but uh, <laughs> interesting. And um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the clips you brought, but I, you do have a bunch of clips or whatever. I don't know. You, I'm gonna let mm-hmm. you lead the discussion here. Okay. Well, 
the clips I presented were from a previous episode, but we, there's no problem in repeating it. Um, I think one of the good trips, one of the good, uh, there's two Terrence clips, Terrence clip one and two, and then we can also then play um, the Alex Jones aliens, Alex Jones and Eddie Bravo from 9-11. That's a great episode, by the way. Yeah. You want me to start with the first Terrence clip? Sure. Sweet. That it was, in fact, an extraterrestrial. That, in fact, the physical body of the mushroom was the flesh of a species that did not evolve on Earth. That, uh, and it, it, it said this, it had a whole rap. It said, yes, well... Once a culture takes control of its, has complete understanding of its genetic uh, information, it re-engineers itself for survival. And our version of that <clears throat> is a mycelial network strategy when in contact with a planetary surface and a spore dispersion strategy uh, in terms of, as a means of, of radiating throughout the galaxy. And uh, though I am troubled with how freely Bell's non-locality theorem is thrown around, nevertheless, my friends on the other side do seem to be in possession of a, a huge body of information drawn from the history of the galaxy. And they say that there is nothing unusual about this, that man's conceptions of uh, organized intelligence and the dispersion of life in the galaxy and this sort of thing are just hopelessly culture-bound, and that the galaxy has been a, uh, an organized system for billions of years, and that, and that life evolves under so many different regimens of temperature and pressure that uh, searching for an extraterrestrial who will sit down and have a conversation with you is like searching for a good Italian restaurant oh. out in the galaxy. The main problem with extraterrestrials is to recognize them because time is so vast and evolutionary strategies so varied and environments so varied that... Uh, the trick is to know that contact is being made at all. There you go. Yeah. That's, uh, man, McKenna has such a way of just getting you, making your head spin. Uh, did you say you so read his book, uh, True, True Hallucinations? I didn't read any of his books. Um, but I'll write they're that down. kind of hard to read, even though they're short. It's so egg-heady and wordy, but. I'm uh, I used to read a lot. I was the kid in the library, um, I, reading all the books on UFOs and Bigfoot and occultism and all that stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, <clears throat> I didn't read uh, Terrence McKenna. I read books from uh, in the back in the old days. I read books from Timothy Leary, from Robert Anton Wilson. Um, those were great, great books. And other yeah, I liked uh, Leary's, uh, I think it was just called The Psychedelic Experience, but he basically Americanized the Tibetan Book of the Dead. That was cool. Him and Ram Dass did. 
But anyway, yeah, sorry to, to distract no, no, from the fine. clip at hand. Uh, what was so uh, summarizing what McKenna said? He was basically he always talks about um, the universe being a novelty generator, basically where things exponentially get more and more not intense, but what's the right word? Um, mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, but uh, like a reverse. Uh, what's it called? It's called a um, not entropy, but like a reverse entropy generator. Yeah, what's the... Um, I guess an that's accelerator good, wouldn't be the right word, mm -hmm. would it? Something like that's that. A good, uh, that's a good way. Of, I never heard that before. That's a great idea, that a novelty generator. So normally, um, entropy is like one of the laws of thermodynamics, where everything just generally goes to hell. Like structures fall apart, you know, um, things break apart. Everything turns into noise in the end, or just random mud. And a reverse entropy would be intelligence, meaning things are seeking some kind of form, have a purpose. Right. So that's kind of like intelligence. Yeah. Um, <sighs> the counterpoint to that would be the movie Idiocracy. Mm-hmm. Where <laughs> now I've been talking about that movie way too much lately, but it's yeah, no, it's it, it, it does seem like things are getting more and more interesting. Um not necessarily more and more intelligent. Mm -hmm. But definitely more and more interesting. I haven't Living seen that crazy movie times. Yet. Oh, you uh, gotta watch that movie. Where where can you watch it? Uh at my house on D V D. On DVD, no way. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll find it. I might have a, well, if you want to take a tangent, I might have a clip uh, or two okay. from Idiocracy. Sure, play it. We just did a movie it. review of it uh, recently here. Um, but yeah, the, 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 do you know the basic premise? Please tell me. I know you might have mentioned it, but it's not fresh in my mind. Okay, so... It's Mike Judge, you know, King of the Hill and all mm -hmm. that. But basically, the Beavis and Butthead. The yes, yes, the best. Yeah, yeah. space. He, anyways, the the basic premise is, um, it's five hundred years in the future. I'll skip like the non-important details of why it, the main character ends up five hundred years in the future. But he wakes up five hundred years in the future after a military experiment, and what has happened is. The smart people, because they were smart with their finances and weren't ready, they knew they weren't ready to have kids, slowly started mm -hmm. reproducing less. And the dumb people out just kept reproducing without giving a shit. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the really dumb people, since there weren't any natural predators for them because the world had been so nerfed, outbred all the smart people. So, like, 500 years later, everyone's basically retarded. <laughs> oh, my God. Um and it's it like if you watch, I mean it's it's literally. I won't give too much. I, I guess there's not really. It's hard a hard movie to spoil, except for just the jokes in it. But it's um, it. I think it holds up as like one of the most. And every year that goes by, it gets more and more timeless as just a prophecy fulfilled. Like the House of Representatives is the House of Representing, and the president's like Dor uh, Mountain Dew Doritos, Camacho. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, 
Gatorade bought the FDA and outlawed water. Shit like that. That's um, great. Yeah, it's let me uh let me see. Look, I um I'll give you I'll give you a um this just just to counter Terrence McKenna's like the the novelty ever increasing novelty doesn't necessarily imply ever increasing intelligence. As the 21st century began, human evolution was at a turning point. Natural selection, the process by which the strongest, the smartest, the fastest reproduced in greater numbers than the rest, a process which had once favored the noblest traits of man, now began to favor different traits. Most science fiction of the day predicted a future that was more civilized and more intelligent. But as time went on, things seemed to be heading in the opposite direction, a dumbing down. How did this happen? Evolution does not necessarily reward intelligence. With no natural predators to thin the herd, it began to simply reward those who reproduced the most and left the intelligent to become an endangered species. So it's Luke Wilson plays the main character. He wakes up 500 years in the future. It takes him a while to figure out that he's in the future. And Mm -hmm. uh, like the Fuddruckers that used to be there, like you see an evolution of it over 500 years and it slowly changes to Fuddbuckers, and then like by the (laughs) by the time he wakes up, Fuddruckers, like he looks at Fuddruckers. It's got the there's like a bunch of kids inside having like a birthday party. And the sign just says, butt fuckers. Oh no! And uh, yeah, it's you got uh, Carl's Jr. Um, their slogan is this: Carl's Jr. Fuck you! I'm eating. Fuck you! I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, That's Carl's a great Jr. Movie. takes takes care takes over uh, child protective services. Please come back when you can afford to make a purchase. Your kids are starving. Carl's Jr. believes no child should go hungry. You are an unfit mother. Your children will be placed in the custody of Carl's Jr. <laughs> and it's yeah, like with Gatorade buying the FDA and outlawing water. Like they, I'm sure you've heard the line like when he realizes the crops are dying because he's like the smartest man in the world now that everyone's retarded. Yeah, and they're they're watering the crops with Gatorade, or it's called Brondo in the movie. And the, the thirst mutilator. It's got electrolytes, and they're like he's like, well, the crops might grow if you put water on it, and they're like water, like from the toilet. Why would you want to drink water? I never seen a plant grow out of no toilet shit like that. But uh, one more, one more uh, clip here, and then we'll get back to McKenna because you got hepatitis. This he goes to the hospital, and uh, his doctor, uh, he because he's he's still like this is like right after he wakes up pretty much from his five hundred year nap, and uh, this is his doctor diagnosing him with his illness. Right. <laughs> Kick ass. Well, don't want to sound like a dick or nothing, but uh, it says on your chart that you're fucked up. Uh, you talk like a fag, and your shit's all retarded. What I do is just like, like you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I- I'm serious here. <laughs> don't worry, Scrub. Now there are plenty of tards out there living really kick-ass lives. My first wife was tarded. She's a pilot now. I, I need for you to be serious for a second here, okay? I, I need help. There's that fag talk we talked about. <laughs> uh, right, so that'll be 
this many dollars, and if you could just go ahead and like put your tattoo in that shit. Oh, and also, um, every everyone has like a barcode tattoo on their arm, so he gets yeah. arrested for not having his. It's like straight up Mark of the Beast shit. Joe had awakened to a world in crisis. The economy was in a state of deep neglect. A great dust bowl had ravaged food supplies. And the number one movie in the country was called Ass. And that's all it was for 90 minutes. It won eight Oscars that year, including Best Screenplay. Anyway, so you get the idea. That's great. <laughs> you, yeah, you definitely, definitely got to see that movie. It's so good. I totally missed oh, that. I, I like money. Yeah, oh, I like money though. Anyway, um, so uh, after that tangent, no, no, that's not the, a tangent. That's perfect. It, 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 it like, does. It does tie into the like, um, and it does seem like we're headed that way, especially when it comes to corporations just owning everything. I mean, we're already a lot of that movie but, has become come more and more true. But as far as novelty, a novelty generator, it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, making things better, it just could be making them more interesting. Well, let's just uh, let's just talk about Mike Judge for a second because Mike Judge is arguably more turned on and more honest than Terrence McKenna. Oh yeah, I would agree. Um, right, and he's reached more people with his message, encoded in some way that people can understand it. And he's friends with Alex Jones. He's Hello, Alex this Jones. is Hank Hill. And I'm telling you what, you need to listen to Alex Jones. Yeah, yeah. Infoworth.com. Yeah. He, he hangs out with Alex and Austin. They go shooting and stuff. He's done a couple interviews on Infoworth. Mike Judge has. And, uh, and that's great. And also, he's more down to earth. I think Terrence McKenna is a space cadet. And he could have been running disinformation. We don't know. You know, uh, you covered him in your show. I don't know. Did you conclude uh, whether or not he's a uh, working we played, working for the we, agency? Yeah, we played some clips uh, between him and his brother Dennis. It seems like Ter- Terrence was a, at the very least, an FBI informant, but uh, more likely some kind of CIA operative. Mm-hmm. He says, he- uh, "I was on the run from the FBI for." until they recruited me and they said mm-hmm. with a mouth like yours, you'd be great for our organization. Now, of course, Dennis and other McKenna defenders say he, by they, he meant the mushrooms the recruited him, yeah. fungus recruited him, which, you know, that's plausible. But then we, near the end of that episode, mm-hmm. we played some clips of McKenna saying that um, we need to implement laws to limit the birth of men and that mm-hmm. the world would be better if, it was 75% women and he would be interested in seeing policies to limit male birth. Yeah. So he's a eugenicist. Um, yes. And you could argue, and this is like from the globalist uh, population control perspective, that if you're dumb enough to let us kill you, then you probably deserve to die. I mean, that is the best uh-huh. way to pre- prevent an idiocracy scenario where the dumb people outbreed the smart people. If you're looking yeah. for a good way to, have the species move forward into a very enlightened, technologically advanced, peaceful age, maybe you could argue that maybe we should kill all the dumb people that are dumb enough to, you know, 
take the vaccine that hasn't even been tested on animals yet and has God knows what in it. I mean, you could, you could sure. argue that eugenics is the best way to prevent an idiocracy scenario where everyone's retarded. I don't think so, that's a good way to do it, but... So you, what you're saying is that if you listen to Alex Jones, right, then you'll be saved. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's valid criticisms of Alex Jones in some ways where I, I do think he gives some good advice, but there's a lot of people that make good points where it's like Alex, he presents a lot of problems and points out a lot of problems that are very real problems and has a lot of good information but the he doesn't offer many solutions no he does not offer well he does his solution is buy super male vitality right right um, that's the solution he does promote some things that are good like uh he doesn't sell guns and ammo but he says probably get some i think that's a good idea it's storable mm -hmm. food um Gold. but yeah overall um he's not um i think there are better there's nobody's as entertaining as Alex in the quote unquote truth community, but there are definitely people with uh, better solutions than he has. Well, I, let's not talk about solutions here because we have to separate truth from solutions because I listen to like radical leftists and they present all types of truth. Like they have all types of true criticisms of the West. They have true criticism of, of capitalism. They can truthfully criticize America. Their solutions is the destruction of America, right? Right. Give me some example of some of the leftists you listen to, like anybody I would know. Well, let's just start with Noam Chomsky. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Who um, I like half the time, and then half the time I think he's out of his damn mind. But Exactly. Or um, I listen to the Best of the Left podcast, and I clip them. Yeah. You got um, me on that. There's some good ones on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best of the Left's good. They had some, I, I don't know if you heard some of those clips. Uh, I have to show you some some of my clips. They're like, but and I've been listening to um, the real source of information that I'm onto is this New Books Network. Like I started, I don't know if you I ever listened to, yeah. So I'll start you off. Do you ever listen to the conspiracy? Those conspiracy guys. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, the uh, what's his name? The main guy. He's supposed to be coming on here soon. He's Irish. Yeah, yeah. He's supposed awesome. to be coming on soon. I've been in. I don't know when that's going to happen, but he's cool. They had well, a, I, I don't listen to their yeah. show as much as I'd like, but every time I listen to it, it's really good. That's because they're on Spreaker. It's like, dude, get off of Spreaker, you know? <laughs> and so much of it's behind paywalls and stuff. But. Thank you, thank you. And and that's what makes people illegitimate, in my opinion. Um. Like I'm all into open access. Yeah, sure. Well, val value for nothing is the way to go. I suppose. Uh, for value. now, we currently operate on the value for value. Oh, value for V for N model. What is that? Value for nothing. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got it. No ads, no paywalls, and we don't accept donations. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's called a hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Keep so you gotta money. listen. To Listen to Seth Godin. Seth Godin's all about making money and marketing. Uh, he's a super intelligent guy. Oh, he's yeah. Like, I'm into it. Jews rock! I love Jews! Yeah, um, I wish I was better at making money. I am not very fiscally um, literate. Gotcha. But I got 600 bucks in the mail the other day. Hey, yo. Oh, you did? Awesome. 
<laughs> Did you go to the uh, check cashing place around the corner to? Uh, they just went straight to the bank account. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't in the mail. I don't know why I said that. It was direct deposit. But uh, yeah. So uh, three cheers for three cheers so, for you know printing a bunch more money and tripling or quadrupling the amount of money in the circulation of the U.S. economy so that our uh, children and grandchildren will have to pay 20 or $30 for a loaf of bread in the future. Yay. All right. 20 or yeah. $30, that's nothing. Let's just start <laughs> with, um, let's yeah. start with, uh, you know, a hundred. Let's just look okay. at a uh, hundred dollars. I mean, that, who was, makes an, that was another thing in idiocracy. It was like um, the smallest currency it was like the smallest amount of money like paper money was one billion dollars i think it was like their equivalent <laughs> of their one dollar bill yeah <laughs> yeah it's got like pro wrestlers on the on the money instead <laughs> of that's crazy it's like i want to um i want a one trillion trumps for uh <laughs> for local that's brand. one of my i wish i need to find that clip one of my favorite alex jones clips is like right when trump got elected alex jones was like if Trump pulls this thing off, he'll be bigger than George Washington. His face will be on the money 200 years from now on Mars. Was... <laughs> <Okay>. Space Force. <laughs> Space Force. Space Force. So the thing with um, the thing with Trump and, uh, you know, if I played D&D, I would play neutral. Right? Right. What if you played DMT? If I played so DMT, I have to say that um, there's been certain times on my walks where I definitely tapped into some DMT. Like I'm definitely oh, just like flow state. I'm I'm definitely hitting a DMT high on my walk. I'm walking through the night, like three or four o'clock in the morning. And I'm like going through these mental worlds and I'm going into these ever expanding fractal thought patterns. Um, and it's definitely, uh, I'm working out this whole theory. I, I think that we're generating DMT or we're using DMT to, uh, to generate imagination. I like this. Yeah. Right. No, it's it's been really cool on stream of random here and you like work through all these thoughts. So it's, it's a cool journey. And what's what's the name of that dude? Um Chicken Jar? Yes. Uh AKA it was, Harry Reed. Yeah, it was like it was so funny when the, he had like <laughs> the classical music and he's like it sounds like cooking food or doing dishes or something and like Yeah, he's whole, doing the dishes in the background. So funny. <laughs> so funny. It was like a nice aesthetic. It was like a, it was cool. Well, so our, our, our whole thing is life is happening, right? Like, if we're going to do a podcast while walking down the street, like, shit is happening. You know? It's very Alan Watts, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like, how Alan Watts would talk about, like, you like something as simple as walking or doing the dishes can be, be the most joyful thing ever. It just, like, depends on your outlook and your ability to get into that flow state. Yes. Be here now. But yeah, no, I like, I do like the concept of just like, instead of like most people do, like I do is, you know, 
set aside a time where you're just going to podcast. It's like, no, why can't you just podcast while you're doing your everyday activities? It's a cool concept. Well, for me, it's just, uh, I started with, uh, Jocko. It was with Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan and Jocko are like, you have to, uh, Joe Rogan's like, you have to beat your inner bitch, right? You have to overcome your inner laziness. Right. And Jocko is like, just do it. Get up at four in the morning and do your workout. So I started doing that and I started going on my walks and I would listen to podcasts. And eventually I started uh, talking to people on Telegram and calling people. And then um, I'm like, I'll just record a voice message to send it to someone. And then I started like, okay, let's, let's start, let's restart the podcast effort. <clears throat> and I've been getting into this whole uh, mobile uh, recording. I just picked up a mobile mixer. Um, it's called cool. Just Mixer from Amazon. And it's got four channels. And I'm going to hook up two uh, mobile phones to it so I can have a soundboard. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that'll be yeah. cool. So I'm going to get that all set up. I got a new mic, a new clip mic, and one of these dead cat things on it. I'm getting myself set up for, you know, just doing like outdoor recording and streaming. Um, I'm not saying everyone should do it, but for me, my primary, my primary thing is like getting up off my ass and, uh, you know, put down the Cheetos, get off the couch and move, you know? Mm-hmm because uh, we're sitting in front of the computer all day. And especially in America, um, you know, I lived in Europe for a long time. I lived in Germany. I walked everywhere. I rode my bike. I didn't have a car until I was 40. Can you believe that? I didn't have a driver's license. Wow. How long were you in Europe? Until I was 40. Like until 2012, we moved back. We moved to Kansas. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's you know, a big living change. on my mom's couch. <laughs> Is that where you were born in Kansas or were you born in Europe? My mom was born in Kansas. I was born in New Jersey. My dad went oh, to okay. college in Kansas and met my mom. So we had like the Italian, European, like immigrant New Jersey side of the family. And then we had the uh, Scotch, Irish. English, hillbilly, farmer, pick up my pick up truck, driving um, other side of the family, and uh, so I'm like the mix between the two. That's pretty cool. You got the best of all the worlds in there. We used to go down to Arkansas into the into the sticks, Arkansas, Arkansas. Go down to Arkansas. Well, I think they actually called it Arkansas. Go from Missouri. Missouri, and then we go down to Arkansas, we go fishing, drive the pick-em-up truck. Pick-em-up and, truck. <laughs> and we, my grandpa would go fishing for like three months a year. Right. And he'd like set up his whole camp there. It was great. Had a good time. Anyway, I don't know how we got here, but uh, I'm just telling a little bit of my story. I like it, but... No, we were I talking used to about walk. To... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I used to walk to Germany, and like I didn't own a car. I was a militant bicyclist. Bicyclist. But now I'm even off of bicycling because bicycling is bad for your butt. 
and it's bad for your lower back. Like walking. I have so the worst posture. Like right now, I'm very, I'm sitting with like the worst posture ever. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I challenge everyone <laughs> yeah. who's listening. I challenge you as well. Do ten thousand steps a day. Just get up. What are, can I just like? Yeah. If I if I will it, like if I if I like in my mind do ten thousand steps, like the secret, like Oprah's the secret. Will that? Let's put it this way. Uh, how I can just you believe yes, that I did ten thousand steps. You well, you can you can lie to yourself and say you did it. <laughs> uh, you can do that. Self deception is always uh, an option. Everybody's but, good at that. Oh my god. I don't think there's a human being on the planet that isn't self-deceptive in some ways. Absolutely. And narcissistic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's what I was it's saying true. today. It's true. I, I was saying... It's real. That's, that's why you need a second person on your podcast. That's why we need the Democrat and Republican Party to keep each other in check. Because the Founding Fathers knew that people are lying, cheating sons of bitches. This is so important. We have to do this. And if you don't have the two parties keeping each other in check, then you're going to have things running rampant. Yeah, I, I would agree. The pendulum can't swing too far in one of the two directions. You got to have that yin and yang, right? And um, there's been the whole history of work and labor. Like people used to have no rights at all. They didn't even have weekends. You had child labor. You had pollution. You know, I said bring all that stuff back. I don't see what the problem was. If you listen to this um, Best of the Left, they have the uh, history of uh, of the left. Um, and they go through all of that, like the history of the left in America. And these guys are like saying things like, oh, yeah, communism was great. Russia, they, they Russia, communism didn't fail in Russia. They just took a wrong turn. They need to try it again. <laughs> they didn't do it right. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't do it right. We know how to do it better. We're going to do it better in America. That's what they think. Yeah. Well, that's the, me... uh, that's the age-old thesis, right? It's like socialism and communism. It's like, it's not that it doesn't work. It's just nobody ever did it right, you know? Well, let Come me on. invite you to go for a trip to Albania. Is that where the vampires are? Oh, that's, that's Romania. That's Transylvania. I've been to Transylvania. I've been to Albania, and they're actually related to each other. The um, the old Romanians and the old Greeks and the old Albanians all have those weird skirts, the white skirts and the pom poms on their shoes. They're called vlaks or valakai or uh, tosks. There's the, this whole group of people, like ancient people from that area, and they're all related to each other culturally. Ooh. Yep. Not in an incestuous way, just in a... Just in a... I mean, they all have the same clothes, so there's some kind of cultural, symbolic relationship uh, there. I don't know. Oh, by the way, I don't think they like being called fags anymore. <laughs> I think nowadays they prefer homos. Christopher Walken. Uh, hey, you want to do this... Um, I, I derailed us pretty bad, but do you want to do this second Terrence McKenna clip? I never got to it. Uh, sure. Well, let's play the um, Alex Jones. We had we actually never got through. We never got through actually even discussing Terrence McKenna first clip. Um. So, but I I did. Uh, all I wanted to say there. Uh, is that he's saying 
his theory is that the fungus came to Earth recently, like this particular fungus. Like, uh, um, that, it ties in with the stoned ape theory, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think it's very possible that that fungus, that particular fungus, came recently, that it developed recently, and then it jumped between planets. But my theory oh, oh, is... Almost yeah. as if the fungus was created some kind of hyperdimensional link to another planet. Well, let's just say, I mean, even if it wasn't hyperdimensional, but it could have been. It very could have been. and um, Like a psychic connection to another planet. It's, it's very possible that there's a connection um, between the fungus across the galaxy, that it's coming from a common entity or it's on a different, it's going through some kind of wormhole. Um it's possible that there that those things that that things can travel through the fungus through the planets it's i haven't really worked that whole thing out i was just thinking like on a physical level like it developed on one planet like he's saying that in that clip he's saying that um <clears throat> that the beings re-engineered themselves so they gained act control of their genes, they gain control of their minds, and they re-engineer themselves into the fungus to spread out. Right? They reached some level which they were able to turn themselves into the fungus and then transported themselves through the fungus into the galaxy. Mm -hmm. That's what Terence, I think, is saying. Um, and that's possible. And that's possible that happened later. So there's a couple of different theories I, I've been working on. I don't have any conclusions. And I have to also say, these are just completely speculative theories, right? Right. So the one idea that I had when I was listening to Terrence was, okay, there was another fungus that caused life on this planet and many others. So that was like the first generation. It just spread out and spawned like the life. Well, I don't think you'd have any life functioning, at least the way we know of it functioning on Earth. Plants and animals rely on like the mycelial network to, on a biological level, to function and mm -hmm. for things to decompose and minerals yes. to be transferred. So, yeah, there wouldn't be would, life without fungus. So it would stand to reason that fungus might have been the element that was that created it, if there is an intelligent. Because it's you know obviously fungus isn't a Mushrooms aren't an animal or a vegetable. It's something else. It's its own life form, yeah. its own kingdom. And uh, life could not exist on the surface of the planet without the fungus. And also, when you have a lava flow in Hawaii, the first thing to grow on top of the lava as soon as it cools is fungus or lichen, which is a, a mold, slime, fungus, symbiote. symbiote. Lichen. Lichen. I'm liking it. <laughs> now, uh, the second Terrence Minnick clip talks about the symbiote, if you want to, if you want to play that. Um, but I haven't the seen The mushroom. Yeah, oh, ahead. sorry. No, I, no, go I, ahead. I, I stepped on you. No, no, please, go ahead, play it. The mushroom, uh, if you can believe what it says in one of its moods, is a symbiote. And it 
desires symbiosis with the human species. It achieved it early uh, by associating itself with the domesticated cattle that people keep. In other words, like the plants man grows and the animals he uh, husbands, the mushroom sought to inculcate it in itself into that family because it's very clear that where human genes go, those genes will be carried. It's the old develop uh, burrs so you can attach yourself to the fur of an animal and it will carry you with it wherever it goes. The mushroom, by being domesticated by human beings, has become a part of the human family. But this is all just beginning. In speaking for a moment in terms of the classic mushroom cults uh, in Mexico, they were destroyed by the coming of the conquest. The, the Franciscans had an absolute monopoly on theophagia, which is eating God. And when they came upon these people calling a mushroom Tiananacatl, the flesh of the gods, they set to work with the Inquisition and were able to push this thing into the mountains of Oaxaca so that it only survived in a few villages until Valentina and Gordon Wasson went in the 1950s and found it there. Yep. So, uh, go ahead, yeah. sir. No, go ahead. You go. I, the, um, it, it reminds me, I guess he's kind of what he was saying, but it reminds me of all those cultures from around the world, like the ones that figured out how to take out of the thousands of plants in the Amazon. Mm -hmm. You know, they aged thousands of years ago. They figured out which two to combine it and the exact temperature to combine the bark and the root and make ayahuasca. And yeah. when you asked the ancient tradition, like how they figure this out, they say, oh, the plants told us. The plants so it's, it's almost that. like um, like the the fungus or the mushrooms mm -hmm. uh, or the DMT elves or whatever. It's like they found the mm -hmm. they they came to the consumers rather than the consumers coming to them. It's um, yeah, mm -hmm. it gets into like you know the mother ayahuasca and like it's the voice of the earth and mother nature. And well, let me just throw some things at you. Like this is where we're getting into the good old number, like you have this program that's packed into a number and there's different layers to it where one part of the program will tell you how to decode the rest of the program. So one part of the message is telling the people how to decode the rest of the message. They're like, you know, it's slowly gaining more and more connection to them. To the uh, to these primitive people, and then it's like, okay, well, it comes to you in a dream, and then the dream says, go eat this plant, and then you eat that plant, and the plant says, oh well, now I've got a better connection to you. Let me tell you about these other two plants, right? So the question is, first of all, where does this all come from, right? Is it part of, you know, this? Is it, a, is it a pre packaged thing? Like a code? Like some spaceship that's like crash landed into the, uh, into the mountain, like buried deep under the mountain? It's just got like this, all of the stuff there. Is the fungus part of the colonizing force? Is it like. Is it God? Is it God? Mm -hmm. Is it 
what created life to begin with on this planet. And yeah. now it's like, I finally created you, and now I finally have something I can talk to. Why don't you do this for me? Um, this is super anecdotal, but back in the day on Arrowhead, I remember reading a handful of reports of people that uh, I think they were, these guys had been eating mushrooms every day for months and months, so they were losing it. They were definitely losing it, but this there's a couple guys, different guys, independent. They would, I think they were in the UK, one of them, and then one of them was down south, Florida, maybe. They had similar stories, independent of each other. I was reading on Arrowhead, and it was, they were like trying to stop eating mushrooms because they were kind of losing their minds a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they, I would hear similar reports where they would start having dreams. And um, a couple of them referred to it as like demonic or like mushroom demons or something. Mm-hmm. They would have dreams um, with like a bean talking to him and showing him exactly where the mushrooms were. And sure enough, they'd go out in their backyard in the exact spot or into the woods, the exact spot their mm-hmm. dream was. And there'd be the psilocy- the cubensis mushrooms there waiting on them. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty wild. But what if the dream was them inhaling the spores? Like when they... <clears throat> oh, yeah, I like that idea. Or um, trips ripple backwards in time. So the only mm-hmm. reason they had that dream is because when they ate it in the future, it rippled backwards in time. Okay. Well, what if there is no time? Well, there isn't, right? But that's hard well, as... From- it's From like a, McKenna says, there's a there's a world outside of language. It's just hard as hell to talk about it. So yeah, absolutely. there's no time, but mm-hmm. like how do you explain that in um in a mathematical or, or linear way? Well, I have a whole series of episodes, if you ever want to torture yourself, where I go over Wolfram, Stephen Wolfram, a new kind of physics where he's interviewed by Lex Friedman. Oh, wait, I think I have heard at least some of this, yeah. And it's so dense, and I only started to scratch on it, and I tried to break it down. I didn't really succeed in breaking it down, but maybe I kind of softened it up a little bit. But he's talking about how time is just a construction of what part fits together how, and that the time is just the necessary order that you need to follow in order to do something. Right. Yeah. Like Alan Watts talks about it's meaningless. Like time is totally useless and not real unless you actually want to like, it's only necessary so that like you and I, when we did this podcast could say, okay, yeah, we're going to start around five. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, you know, if you're in your own world, uh, you really don't need any, the artificial artificial construct of time mm-hmm. um but exactly it's it, it's hard it's i've experienced timelessness whether it's i mean even when you're doing something like a i don't know like playing a video game or or mm-hmm. playing some kind of sport like your ultimate frisbee or basketball or anything that you get sucked into like where did all that time go you know it's like it might seem like and a tripping is the perfect example of this where time dilates in such a way where um you know one minute seems like could feel like two hours absolutely and i have not had this happen but i know a couple people who had this happen to them simultaneously and i've heard it from other people too 
it was synthetic psilocybin, like synthesized mm-hmm. psilocybin, which I, I have never, never tried. Yeah, I have. I've never tried. It's uh, apparently what Leary gave Ram Dass back in the day when he was Richard Alpert at Harvard. Like a like well, a. Isn't that what LSD is? LSD is synthesized psilocybin. No, LSD is like synthesized ergot. It's still they're both a fungus, but. Uh, but the ergot. Oh, so we haven't even gotten into this, but the ergot and the psilocybin, I think, are both hitting the same serotonin dopamine receptors. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know enough right. about this. Yeah, they all hit the same receptors. Um, for, as far as I know, all psychedelics hit the same receptors. Uh, like LSD replaces your serotonin molecule, or your serotonin where it would go in, it it, it goes it it goes in there instead into your serotonin receptors. Mm-hmm. Um, mushrooms are close to DMT. Uh, psilocybin is, but anyways, this synthetic psilocybin, um, yes. it, it it was a couple of people I know tried it and. In the course of five minutes on the beach, and this freaked them out to where they were rattled from it months later still like, I mean, this is like an earth shattering thing that happened to them because, I, I mean, I've seen gears in the sky allegedly and all this stuff and like, you know, gears and pulleys and like uh, the moon increasing in size to where it takes up the whole earth. But this one hasn't happened to me that happened to them. And I've heard it happen to somebody else. Same thing with the synthetic psilocybin. They're, they're sitting on the beach in this one case. Both it happens to both of them simultaneously. The clouds, everything starts moving really fast. The sun mm-hmm. sets. The sun sets. The moon comes up. The stars rotate around the earth faster and faster. And the, the sun and the moon, the sun sets, the moon comes up. And like the cycle of like a full week's time or more wow. happens in the course of five minutes. And they watch the, like the, the shade and the tr- trees and everything. And, like a time uh, lapse. Like a time lapse. Like a time, like exactly like a time lapse you would see on you, like a, a mm-hmm. National Geographic documentary of the de- wow. like out in the desert, but they saw that happen in real time, and that is uh, makes you think a lot about the nature of perception and just reality in general and how subjective and strange <laughs> the world we're in really is. Um, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. it's. It's, I'd like uh, the first thing in here. I'd like the first yes. thing in here. So let's just think. So here's some perspectives on what I have been thinking about. That first of all, um, consciousness, I've been getting into this biosemiotics. And they're talking about how all living cells have consciousness and agency. They're actually making decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that everything is built up on everything is built out of atoms and other people, I think Terence is also talking about how the actual, no, it's the hollow fractal. The hollow fractal dude, um, is talking about how inside of protons or is a black hole inside of the atoms, inside of yourself, are black holes. Right. And our, our bodies and our consciousness is built out of atomic particles that are themselves conscious. Yeah. As above, so below kind of thing. As Yes. So that it's not necessarily... Um, 
humanity is just the um, compressing and the organizing of these conscious things into more and more dense material. I'm trying to think of who said that. Um, I think it was Terence McKenna um, who was saying that. I think it's in one of those Terence clips, actually. Um, let's see. Where I got them pulled up if you have a specific one. I do. I have it all here noted. Uh -huh. um, maybe. The world is stranger than you can imagine. I don't have this all uh, organized right now. Um, I'll have to. We'll have to punt and just say. I'm just kind of throwing things together, but basically, they're just saying that we have consciousness beyond our mind, and our mind is just collecting and organizing uh, things in a certain way that's more dense. He was saying like it's like the densest part of the universe is the human is the human mind, where all these things are coming together. It's either Nassim right. It's kind of, are you, is what you're saying, it kind of, it's not exactly the same, but it reminds me of Duncan Trussell's um, old thing. Maybe it was Duncan Trussell, yeah. Possibly, but he, he he's always talked about, he's explained it so many different ways, um, but did, like the universe, like every living thing is a different antenna of the universe or God or whatever you want to call it, experiencing itself, like all appendages on the same. Mm-hmm. Yes. The one, you know, if, and if you've ever had any kind of mystical experience, that's the main thing you get out of it is, oh, my God, it's all one. Everything is one thing. Yes. Um, the, all of existence. But um, And we're just a cup that holds this, uh, this essence of God in a certain way. Right. One of the drops in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Experiencing being a little drop for a little while. So you drip back into the full ocean and experience being the full ocean for a little bit. But... um. Have you, but yes. speaking of Duncan Trussell, have you seen his show on Netflix? No, I haven't. Is it, is it, have I cannot, show? I cannot recommend it enough. What it's called the midnight gospel. Write that okay. down. Cause that is, Oh yeah. He was talking about that. I haven't watched it. It's so damn good. And it's it, what they did is it, it's cool. Cause I've been listening to his podcast for years. So what they did mm -hmm. is they took old episodes of his podcast yeah. mm -hmm. and animated them. And it was the oh, dude wow. that makes adventure time the animation adventure uh, time i don't know that oh it's a great that's a great cartoon network show real trippy i mean it's mm -hmm. probably the only kid show i've seen talk about dimethyl trip to me but oh, uh God. yeah the, uh midnight gospel definitely check that out i will i will I'm, we'll have plenty to talk about on our next episode together um I, I the last really episode that, of that show yeah. is is yes. a tearjerker um because he recorded a podcast with his mom right before she died, and that one oh. is the last episode they animated. It. Um, That's sad. The first episode's Doctor Drew, uh, and and for some of those episodes, they'll have him come back in to record a little bit to add to the old podcast so that it, they can kind of make it work. Uh, but most of the audio is just straight from his old podcast, and they animate it, and it's it's a it's a great, just a really creative, awesome show. That's great. I, I was yeah, listening. I clipped. Um, I clipped his recent. Um, I had two clips from his recent show. Jason Lou. Just yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he's. Uh, he is. If I'm not mistaken, he is 
one of the guests in th- that show, he plays a bird. And and, but, and Jason Lurb's going on about the um, he's going on about the AI apocalypse. Yeah, I heard you. Pl- I heard this episode when you were playing okay. those clips. Yeah, good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, I, man, I love Duncan. His politics lately have uh, kind of annoyed me. He's got yeah. real case of TDS, but you know, not well, everybody's see, per- nobody's perfect, right? Everybody's got dumb opinions on some things. But he's able to recognize it, and he sees the memes. And yeah. um, you know, I guess if you live uh, in Team Blue territory uh you know i was work as someone at work he's like i was up visiting my dad he's like where, where are you up in trumpistan again and i'm like yep <laughs> it's like well what do you call the rest of the country i said communist china yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep hey, uh, i got i i did uh i didn't realize i still had these i still have all i mean it's i'm not gonna play them all because there's like 50 mm-hmm. clips but i have all my old clips from the mckenna episode if you want to hear Mm-hmm. A little bit about why McKenna might be in the CIA here. Yeah, please let's play it. Right. Oh, but wait, I haven't said one thing. Oh, can sorry. I can stop one second? Yeah, yeah. What if the CIA is the fungus? Yeah, uh, I think that might be in one of the clips I have, if not a different interview with okay. Dennis McKenna, because McKenna, Dennis McKenna, defending his brother, says, "Sure, I could say that that." Terrence and I worked for the CIA, the Celestial Intelligence Agency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I remember that. Play it, play it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real curious about one thing. Why is it important for you to do this? I wonder myself. Um, <laughs> you mean, am I the uh, alien ambassador, whether I like it or not? <laughs> Well, I often when asked this question, I've said, you know, it beats honest work. I mean, my brother is a PhD in three subjects and uh, works in hard science. And uh, it, I don't think it's brought him immense happiness, not that he's despondent. But uh, I was always kind of a slider. Uh, <laughs> You know, and uh, certainly when I reached La Chirera in 1971, I had a price on my head by the FBI. I was running out of money. I was at the end of my rope. And then uh, they recruited me and said, you know, with a mouth like yours, there's a place for you in our organization. And... um, you know, I've worked in deep background positions about which the best, the less said, the better. And then, you know, about 15 years ago, they shifted me into public relations, and I've been there uh, to the present. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That seems like, I, like I definitely when I ring the bell, like one of mm-hmm. those things by itself might not mean some kind of three-letter agency, but you take all those different things in that little clip that he's saying. And it seems like he's dancing around the fact that he's CIA. Um, I have several more CIA McKenna clips, but we don't need to go through them. I, I like that one the best, but I got Dennis talking about it and he gets very upset and defensive is uh, anytime somebody even brings up MK ultra and him and McKenna being a possible thing. I got, uh, Jan Irvin, I got Jan Irvin talking about, uh, 
DMT on and Joe Rogan on Alex Jones, if you want to hear that. Well, I was just going to say, No Agenda was bringing up that um, the whole Berkeley Berkeley thing with the right. uh, MK Ultra. Yep. And um, you know, I, I I've been working on this whole pyramid um, eye in the pyramid thing, and I've been struggling with whether or not the eye in the pyramid is the fungus or not. Hmm. Um, whether it's a control structure, and uh, I've always associated it with something nefarious. Um, but 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 the one thing that I wanted to say that kept some popping into my mind is that Terence McKenna is playing the role of Loki, of the trickster, the left-handed Pat. Yeah, for sure. So go ahead, play your other clip. Oh. um... These are great clips. Well, I mean, shit. Uh, I got I got way more on the CIA, but skipping ahead of that, if you want to hear Jan, and and we haven't played enough yes. Alex Jones on the show, so. Jan. Um, yeah. So, so go ahead and reveal for the first time ever uh, when you got Joe Rogan to take DMT. Well, we were at Joe's house and in, in, uh, his house in uh, Bell Canyon. And uh, this was, like I said, 2003, 2004 in his little movie theater that he had there. And, uh, you know, I had been doing research on it and I believed all the hype by guys like uh, Professor uh, or Dr. Rick Strassman, who uh, did the DMT, the Spirit Molecule book. And he's really the one that hyped all of this originally and his book, which you can't verify really any of it because it's behind confidential uh, uh, research reports from the people who participated in his study, which was funded by the Scottish Rite Freemasonry. But... Uh, uh, we were at uh, Joe's place, and I don't remember who went first, but there was a guy, Johnny, there also, and we all just took our turns. You know, it's, it's you know, you do kind of see some bizarre sort of demonic uh, world. A lot of people claim to see elves and, and different sorts of creatures in there. I saw sort of a checkerboard sort of world with round and different shaped uh, objects. Shaped Which, like again, is very Masonic, very, very M.C. Escher. Yeah, well, they're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're true that. And uh, but uh, Eddie Bravo actually kind of had a bad trip, and of course Eddie Bravo's a a fighter, and uh, he's the only guy who took down uh, Horsey Gracie in a fight back then, uh, jujitsu. Oh wow! And uh, you know uh, he didn't have a good experience. He started trying to fight. I was glad that Joe was there because at least Joe knew jujitsu to try to uh, help control Eddie from going. Uh, speaking of berserk on us. But, uh, you oh know, God. so... Uh, well, repeat you know, what you told me, though. Because he was in his prime then, and, I mean, he was going to unscrew both your heads. Thank God Joe talked well, about I it. Mean, well, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he was... He just wanted to fight in general and fight everybody Well, you everybody said, quote, we're lucky he didn't break both our necks. Yeah, we're, we're, we are lucky he didn't break both of our I heard this because, before. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm no jujitsu fighter and I couldn't have taken Eddie on. I couldn't have talked him down. So I'm glad that Joe was there to be able to do that. Yeah, I Jan Irvin is a very um he was on the higher side chats and it got really heated. He I mean it's weird cuz he introduced Rogan to DMT. He was, you know, he's a really smart, educated um uh uh botanical expert really oh, okay. kind of was spearheading like the the DMT research and all this stuff for a while. And then he 
now is super against it. And his thesis is basically Terrence McKenna and all these guys. I, I think, I think, uh, I for sure think Timothy Leary was a CIA controlled opposition, but Jan Irvin takes it a step further. And he says the whole modern psychedelic movement is still part of MK ultra. The program never stopped. And these aren't really hallucinogens or even enthogens. Mm-hmm. These are suggestogens. Okay. And his, uh, I can I can keep playing if you want. I I don't really well, subscribe to this, but I like. Uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, can you play the um? Can you play the Alex Jones alien clip from nine eleven? Uh. That I sent you. Yes. Yes. I think is this it. Can aliens? we combine both? I keep coming back to that do because it? I I want to know you wanna what do, do they know about aliens? What do you want me to tell you? What are they? <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? Real. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Right. And what I say is not political. And it's not from my particular okay. perspective. Okay. It's from the known knowledge in the universe. Okay. We live in a third dimensional plane. We can see the planets, the galaxies, the suns, hundreds of billions of galaxies photographed, universes. We live in an amazing space time continuum. The elites believe that it's not in the third dimension that we're mainly receiving transmissions. Ships don't arrive from Alpha Centauri's. Or Giddy Prime, or wherever they're coming from. Or Beelgees. They come here through interdimensional gates that are much closer, through fold space. And so we have to discuss the different influences that are in the universe and all the fact that we have free will and we decide what we want. I don't believe in any of this. <laughs> I'm simply telling you what the elites believe. So they believe that there's another dimension, and these beings are from a another dimension. A bunch of need, dimensions. And they need baby blood, right? They need somehow they need baby well, blood. Our brain right? is able right? to tune in. Let me tell you, we're, we're really system. powerful. I didn't make this up. Okay. We're made in the image of our creator. Our brain is able to tune into the lowest dimension, the highest dimension. Humans are basically really powerful creatures that can live right close to suns. They're highly radioactive. Nothing else can live this close. We have very short lives because we're like a hive organism that actually lives second to second in the space-time continuum. It's like 100 years. It's a second. And we transmit our data up to be able to live next to like these stargate jump gates that are that are suns. So I because we live so close to these suns, we only have like milliseconds to be alive. So we're actually a hive organism that keeps transmitting up to the next species in our in our in our hierarchical system. Can I back it up about twenty seconds? Yeah, because I think that's one of the most profound. Like Alex Jones, especially because he, he smoked a bunch of weed on this one. But man, he he is like he he has. Uh, sometimes he'll say stuff that's mind blowing, and this is one of those examples where it's like intuitively something I kind of already thought, but the way he breaks it down, where it's like humans are a hive organism. Mm-hmm. And we, well, I'll just I'll just play it again. I like the play Stargate jump gates. Very yeah. short lives, because right close to suns, they're highly radioactive. Nothing else can live this close. We have very short lives, because we're like a hive organism that actually lives second to second in the space time continuum. It's like a hundred years. It's a second, and we transmit our data up to be able to live next to like these Stargate jump gates that are that are suns. So because we live so close to these suns, we only have like milliseconds to be alive. So we're actually a hive organism that keeps transmitting up to the next species in our in our in our hierarchical system and then down below us. So we're alive right now in this continuum and we're trying to progress 
and, and, and make things better. And, and the elites are trying to make sure that we don't dial into that incredible knowledge we've got as a species and basically die as a species so that we're not competitors on the next level, as the Bible says, of the interdimensional plane. But you, don't, damn, you don't that believe that. Good. But you don't believe that. You're just saying that's what they believe. Oh, yes, exactly. I'm, okay. I don't believe in anything. What do you believe? Uh, uh, no, I mean, I believe in research. Do you think that <laughs> I believe in research, too? <laughs> do you think that there is something from other dimensions that can access us? Uh, this, this, we are other dimensions. Uh-huh. The third Inside dimension is only one limited plane in a larger spectrum. So you do so, believe what So we're they a believe. part of that spectrum. Well, let's just say we're not in Kansas anymore. Alex, have you ever done DMT? No. Do you want to? I don't need to. I go to every hmm. night when I go to sleep. I believe that. He's on, it's like he's on natural yeah. DMT all <laughs> day. He's definitely on something, man, for sure. for sure. The globalists don't believe in Satanism. They believe they're contacting interdimensional aliens. You found it. I did. Awesome. Through the drug use. They're going to merge with the machines. Blast off into hyperdimensional space. And that's why they're so crazy. That's why they want to get rid of us. That's why they're smiling and giddy and acting so nuts. They believe they are in contact with these entities and are being directed by them. And the entities are telling them eternal life, total power, total control, everything you could ever want. Just kill everyone. Set up a world government. Build this design we're telling you. Build what we're telling you. Build this. Build this. Let us through. Build the Hadron Collider. Open the dimensions. Let us in. We're going to really help you. We're friendly little guys. We're friendly little guys. <laughs> friendly little guys. Uh, this, this might tie into this. Uh... I was looking for that clip, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll I'll have to clip it out and send it to you. I always lose it. Um, this, well, let's uh, let's sidetrack from that. Jan Irvin and Alex. I have to. I have been writing down my notes. If at any point I can go back and, and say some things. Well, go ahead if you have something on that. I've been. Oh yeah, of... I've got stacks of stuff. I can go on for hours, but let's just start with checkerboard Alice in Wonderland. Right. Yeah, it's um, what they were talking about with Jan Irvin, like the Masonic. Uh... It's Masonic, but it's also Alice in Wonderland. Right. Like she's going in, she's getting smaller, she's getting bigger, transmitting up, transmitting down. Let's just say hollow fractal, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been following this whole hollow fractal thing, but basically what he's saying is that inside of the sun, inside of the stargate, inside of the sun is a black hole and inside of your body inside of the atoms is a black hole and inside of every bit of empty space it's connected to the entire universe the jump gates are inside of us the jump gates are also in the stars yes and these connections go up and down into larger and smaller universes inside of a fractal Now, living second to second, our lives are just a microsecond in the life of the fungus. Like, if you have an intergalactic fungus, like, my whole theory is that the entire universe is one cell of one fungus. And that when the star explodes, when the universe collapses or explodes, that's just the fungus sending out its spores 
like there's a whole universe of universes where each of the universes is just a cell in the fungus. Yeah. And that's wild. I, I, uh, but I, I think that's a definitely a possibility, but I also don't think that negates that doesn't take away from like the meaning and the wonder and like the profoundness of existence. Does not. Even if we are just food for fungus, it's all about well, your perspective. Like the flat earthers say, the law of perspective. Well, this is the whole thing, the joy of life, and I have a whole bunch of episodes on that. I think that the joy of life is outside of the mind. That there is a joy of, of being alive that we share with all living things, or even, like Duncan Trussell was saying, even the river stones. And with this whole bio, uh, biosemiotics, he's saying that life is interacting with with the river stones, it's, it's life is interacting and bouncing off of uh, its environment, and there's a whole joy of life, I think, um, independent of human thought. But the humans are just adding in this logic and symbolic, and <clears throat> but when we turn off the mind, we get outside of the mind. That's where we're going to find our joy. Yeah, well said. I think. Uh... Yeah, I think you nailed it. There's a. Uh, are you leading into the life clip? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, the life clip that that's the clip of the whole progression of life uh, that Joe Rogan's talking about. How he's saying that life is um, is getting smaller and smaller. People love technology. I mean, sure, you can play that. That's not the same though. But sure. Oh, um, I do. I think I remember we this. Yeah, yeah. Trussell. We need a Duncan Trussell. Yeah, let's go with Duncan. To, I don't have any Duncan Trussell clips ready. On oh, I can do an impersonation. Hey, man. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm Duncan. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, man, I'm wearing flip-flops. <laughs> uh, well, hey, let, me hit, let, me, uh, let me hit you with this then um, mm -hmm. to take it back down to the conspiracy angle. You know, but he doesn't even realize the level of research that I have in MKUltra and these guys. If I was you, I wouldn't worry about all these little guys, okay, that are all trying to have their own deal. We have the Washington Post on screen. CIA infiltrated 17 area groups, gave out LSD, okay? Uh, Theodore Kaczynski was in the MKUltra mind control program. A bunch of the professors you list are admittedly in programs funded by DARPA and the CIA. Timothy Leary admitted it all, that the whole thing was run by that. Absolutely. So, so, so uh, again, they want it down because they are now proliferating, quote, self-help groups all over the country under different names that are practicing classical mind control to try to induct particularly wealthy people into their church. That's what it is, okay? This is all about power. And all about, you take, you're not on ayahuasca, you're not on DMT, but you get somebody into it who's never done it, and then you, they think you're God. They think you're their shaman. They worship you. This is the oldest thing. This is what Charlie Manson did with LSD Ooh. and his cult, period. Now, this is back when um, Joe, I mean, when Alex was pissed at Joe, and, mm -hmm. and Joe was talking, this is before... This is after the 9-11 episode, but before mm -hmm. the second appearance, the five-hour one or whatever. 12.55. Yeah, this is before 12.55. And this is yeah. when Alex said, Jesus told me, destroy Joe Rogan. Yes, sir, Jesus, I will do it. I will destroy you. He's like, I love it. Like, Alex is like, 
I'm gonna get my hands around Joe's little scrawny little neck and I'm gonna gut his <laughs> belly. I'm gonna cut his belly open and slice his throat and bleed him like a pig. Politically, nonviolent. No. No, I, I, on the topic of Jesus, I'd like to throw something in. Yeah. There is a great book, which was the last book of uh, Philip K. Dick. I love Philip K. Dick. It's called Valis, Valias, or Valis Trilogy, and I have a clip in there with Terence and Valis if you want to play that. And this is the same sort of thing. The mushroom consciousness is the consciousness of the other, both in hyperspace, which means in dream and in the drug trance, at the quantum foundation of being, and in the human future and after death. And all of these places, which were thought to be discrete and separate parts, are seen to be part of a single continuum. The, what history is, is the dash over 10 to 15,000 years from monkeyhood to flying saucer without ripping the envelope of the species so badly that the birth, that the birth is aborted and, uh, and uh, fails and we remain in physes. And uh, history essentially then is the shockwave of eschatology Something is at the end of time, and it is casting an enormous shadow over human becoming, and it is drawing all human becoming toward it, so that all the wars of history, the philosophies, the rapes, the pillaging, the migrations, the cities, the civilizations, all of this is occupying a microsecond of geological, planetary, and uh, galactic time as the monkeys react to the symbiote which is in the environment, which is feeding the information from the true... That was almost exactly what uh, Alex was talking about with the jump gates, stargates. Yes. Humans only live for a second in cosmic time. Was that the right clip? I just realized there's another V-less one. I don't. I think that's uh, the bigger clip. I think there's a there's a, there should be be a, less uh, logos. Yes, logos. My bad. If any of you okay. read uh, Phil K. Dick's one of his last novels, Valus, where he talks about uh, about the logos, how it went into the ground. It was a creature of pure information, and it went into the ground at Nag Hammadi at the burying of the Chenaboskian Library in 270. But it was information, and it existed there until 1947. And then the texts were translated. People read them, and as soon as people had the information in their minds, the symbiote came alive because it is a thing of pure information. Uh, okay. How's that for crazy? That's, yeah. Okay, this, this, uh, I love Philip K. Dick so much. This is... Uh, a similar, this is a similar idea here. Uh -huh. I love Philip K. Dick a lot. Um, he's just, he's just about the best ever. Um, he, I'm trying to remember what book this is about. That they talk about in the scene, but this is from Waking Life. Have you seen that? Uh -huh. Yeah. No, so you know what I'm playing here. I'm writing it down. You talked about it, though. Oh, okay, talk about you. Waking Life in one of your episodes. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. 
Very, very much what we're talking about here. Hey, man. Similar to that. This reminds me of money from uh, right now. <laughs> Weren't you in the boat car? From uh, Pink Floyd. Yeah, the, the guy, guy with the hat gave me a ride in his, his car boat thing, and you were in the back seat with me. I mean, I'm not saying you don't know what you're talking about, but I don't know what you're talking about. Well, see, you guys let me off at this really specific spot that you gave him directions to let me off at. I get out, ended up getting hit by a car, but then I just woke up because I was dreaming, and later than that, I found out that I was still dreaming, dreaming that I'd woken up. Oh yeah, those are called false awakenings. I used to have those all the time. Yeah, but I'm still in it now. I, <laughs> I can't get out of it. It's been going on forever. I keep waking up, but, but I'm just waking up into another dream. I'm starting to get creeped out too. Like, I'm talking to dead people, this woman on TVs telling me about how death is this dream time that exists outside of life. I mean, uh, I'm starting to think that I'm dead. I'm gonna tell you about a dream I once had. <laughs> I read this essay by Philip K. Dick. What, you read it in your dream? No, no, I read it before the dream. Yeah, you played this the in your episode the dream. where he said... It was about that book, um, Flow My Tears, The Policeman Said. Do you know that one? Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he won an award. Have you read that? Flow My Tears, what? What is it called? No. Nope. Yeah, I've, I haven't read that Philip K. Dick book either. But it's an interesting um, scenario that he lays out here. I did read the essay that Philip K. Dick wrote about right uh, when this happened to him. Right, right. That's the one well, he wrote really fast. It just like flowed right out of him. He felt he was sort of channeling it or something. But anyway, about four years after it was published, he was at this party. And he met this woman who had the same name as the woman character in the book. And she had a boyfriend with the same name as the boyfriend character in the book. And she was having an affair with this guy, you know, the chief of police. And he had the same name as the chief of police in his book. So she's telling him every, you know, all this stuff from her life, and everything she's saying is right out of his book. So that's really freaking him out. But you know, what can he do? And then shortly after that, he was going to mail a letter, and he saw this kind of, um, you know, dangerous, shady-looking guy standing by his car. So, so I'd like to stop this for a second. But instead and of avoiding him again, yeah, yeah. So I'd like to just say that this is getting into stoicism. Uh, life repeating itself, logos. This is really the question, and and this is what I'm getting into with the biosemiotics. Mm -hmm. Are we dictated by our program or not? Right. Yes, yeah, the question of free Basically, will. Do we have free will? And this is getting into chaos theory that um, Loeb was talking about in his recent, um, his last Duncan Trussell. That they spent all this time studying chaos theory, and then they realize that humans are the most dangerous animals, um, and they have free will and can cause enormous amounts of chaos. So, <clears throat> the biosemiotics said all life has agency, and it is not bound by any program at all. Even the genes do not dictate its behavior. And they're talking about. Um, Neo Neo Darwinism and how it Neo Darwinism is basically tied up with what I would call eschatology, and this is going to get into Jesus and the Roman Empire. So just hold on for a second. So there's a connection here between uh, Jesus and the Roman Empire, right? Mm -hmm. 
because I've ever seen The Life of Brian. Yeah, I actually watched that again recently. That's a great movie. And they live in the Roman Empire. And um, and then Jesus gets co-opted by the Roman Empire. And they start this whole, the eschatology is what they're talking about, is basically the resurrection. Like they're trying to become better and better and better to become resurrected by God, right? Mm-hmm. And that's part of this whole, I think, this whole empire building, which is and it's in the end destroying of the primitive people and the colonizing. It turns into this colonizing force, basically. Right. And go, going back to what you said about the like repetitive nature of reality, the mm-hmm. cycle. It's it's yes. almost like a Nietzschean, like the Nietzschean idea that Nietzsche said, like when you. When you die, you just relive your your life over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like you live, the, you like as soon as you die, you're born. You live the same life, then you die. It's like an infinite loop of the same thing. Nothing changes. That's what the Stoic um, said. That's the Stoic, right? Well, and it, it like Jim Morrison, uh, The Doors. What was that thing? I can't remember what song. He's like, we're all in the cosmic movie. Of uh, and when you die, you're gonna. He's like, when you die, you're gonna see your whole life repeating recurring over and over for eternity. So you better have some good incidents happen and a fitting climax. <laughs> and it, it, I don't know what's going to happen, man, but I'm going to get my kicks before the whole shit house goes up in flames. But <laughs> it's, I, I love you more. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's a really Nietzschean idea of, of the, and it, it's a dark outlook. I don't think that's necessarily how it is. I don't think things are, uh, that's a bleak way to look at things, but it is an interesting thought exercise. Well, it's a simple solution, and I'm sure that part of the universe is going to repeat over and over again, like as a stable or steady state. And even, I think that the, I've been meditating on this, I think the universe is repeating over and over again over time, Um, but there's a branching structure when you make decisions. And when you make a decision, it branches or clones and copies the universe and splits it. I've been watching this show um, <clears throat> called Counterpart on um, on Amazon, and it's about it's a great Berlin spy movie where in East Germany they um, built a device that split the universe into two parts, and it was exactly the same, and they were able to travel through this tunnel, um, and and it was an exact mirror image of the world. But oh, then, it just reminds me of uh, Fringe once it got into the later seasons of the Parallel Universe. You've okay, seen Fringe. Fringe. Really I'll good show. I'll have J.J. Abrams. Up. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead, so, sorry. In Counterpart, then one time they did an experiment and the one guy did something different. And then that caused a ripple effect and butterfly effect and then everything changed. Right, yeah, like the old, the old uh, cliche of you kill a butterfly on one side of the world and that chain reaction will, you know, cause a volcano to erupt or something on the, it's like a, it's any one tiny thing. It's like the conundrum of time travel. Like, you know, even back to the yes. future, it's like one little thing goes wrong and you leave a sports almanac in the wrong place. And Biff is king of the world. Oh my God. Did you see that one movie with the time travel um, with Bruce Willis? A looper. Yeah. Oh my God, dude, that's a good movie. That is crazy. It falls apart though. Um, if you if you, like, it's I love that movie so much. But there's certain things that 
start to not make sense. I mean, it depends yeah. on what time what time travel rules you're using, but it's crazy to see like when that that dude lets his loop run. He's supposed to kill the old version of himself, but he lets him live. Mm-hmm. And the old they they capture the young version of himself and start chopping off his fingers. And you see the yes. old guy like trying to get there, and his fingers are slowly disappearing, and his legs and arms are slowly disappearing. Yeah. See scars all over his face from the torturing. It's like the problem is he never would have made it that far in the timeline once he didn't have legs. So he would he wouldn't be there without legs crawling around. He never would have made it that far. You know what I'm saying? I got you. I got you. So you can you can deconstruct any any time travel movie pretty easily. I honestly stand by the the I he would still be traveling back backwards in time. He would be traveling backwards in time. Yeah, because he never would have made it. He, if yeah, he didn't have legs, his older self would never would have gotten to where he was at. He would have disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. But I still think Back to the Future had the most, like, um, the closest to, like, how time travel would actually work, I think, is Back to mm-hmm. the Future, as far as I can tell. Like, Terminator definitely ain't it. Looper was really good, though. So I was a big science fiction uh, kid. And um, the movies never, the movies are always corrupted by the writers. They always destroy a good book and a good story um, just trying to make it I guess stupid dumb it down I don't know what it is but um, Philip K. Dick uh, covered some of these time travel things I think when he travels back in time and the guy kills the um, butterfly through the time machine and he causes everyone in the future to get retarded wait a minute say that again (laughs) that last sentence he he, he he travels back in time yeah. and causes a change and that change has a ripple effect and causes all of humanity to be retarded. I guess that's a really bad uh, politically incorrect term. I'm sorry. Um, no, but what's the... Uh, what, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm huh? just confused. Um, what's, what's the movie? Because it sounds like Idiocracy in Reverse. It's oh, a okay. book from Philip. I'm, gonna, I'm looking here. That's funny. Dr. Future, uh, Futurity. Let's read this. Here we go. Dr. Futurity is a science, 1960 science fiction novel. It goes into the future. In the future, population is static, no natural birth. Only a death can cause formation. Hold on a second. Let me see. Dinosaurs. Here we go. Yeah. Well, don't want to sound like a dick or nothing, but uh, it says on your chart that you're fucked up. Uh, you talk like a fag, and your shit's all retarded. <laughs> Why What's you keep that? To read that word? It's, it's the idiocracy. Why do you keep <laughs> trying to read that word? <laughs> I, love this. I love this clip. Why do you keep trying to read that word? You a fag? Why are you trying to read that word? You a fag? <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, Philip K. Dick, he did um, he did this future time travel change. Um, I'll put a link into the uh, into my notes here. Um, but that's the problem with television stories. Uh, but in in the uh, but what I was trying to say is that that uh, de- decisions are made and the universe will split. And I think that splitting of the universe is like a, a cell um, cloning itself. You know, like if you have an embryo and it starts with one cell as an egg and then it splits into two cells and 
four cells. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's what. Uh, that's also what this guy is talking about. Um, Hasim Nasim uh, with the with the uh, he's going into some crazy crazy stuff. A sacred geometry, and he's talking about how the cell splitting four times creates the tetrahedron, and that is the most that's the pyramid, and that is the most uh, holy of, of structures. And he goes on and on and on about that. Goes into Buckminster Fuller, and he tries to prove everything. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's weird how the pyramid is like considered either like geometrically perfect and holy or like demonic in some sort, like Aleister Crowley was obsessed with pyramids. Yeah. What did he say? There was the city of pyramids as part like people of people that channel and like contact entities usually do it underneath a pyramid, like a, a small one that they construct. I don't know. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. And, and he was also Ooh. saying that that pyramid lay off the weed, lay off the weed. He was saying that the pyramid, um, Hasim is talking about, Nassim is talking about the pyramid being the center of the sphere and how the Mayan tablets indicate that. And he, he goes on to this whole crazy thing and he does the whole 2012. It's just this amazing, uh, amazingly convoluted um, connections that he's making. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's all kind of arbitrary, but um, it's possible that there is some kind of a holy or cosmic uh, geometry. I tend to think that it's because of the nature of our brains that we see it in a certain way. Yeah. I'm not sure. The eye of the beholder theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, man. I'm still working on all of this. It's, yeah, it's... When you talk about this kind of stuff, it's like it, there's so many pieces that um, all fit together, but it's the putting a lot of this stuff into um, into a digestible. Uh, it, it's the, it's the reason it's really hard to write your own Bible or start your own religion. <laughs> well, I I hate I hate to say it, but um, I've already started. Uh, see, the thing what I'm saying is. Um, we start a synthetic religion or a synthetic belief system to cure ourselves from the control structures. Right? Yeah. Because we're being indoctrinated. Like we're being indoctrinated. And, you know, we look at the Chinese and we say, oh, look at those stupid Chinese people. They're living under communist totalitarian China. Right? But we don't right. realize that we're living under communist totalitarian America. Sir, we love China very much. Please don't be too tough on them. You know, if, <laughs> yeah. if you listen to um, if you listen to like the critics of the West, if you read, um, I talked about conspiracy guys. If you read Adorno and Horkheimer and the entire Frankfurt School, and I have episodes on this, and they go into, you know, these are like these. Russia, these are uh, German Jews that escaped the Nazis. They come to America in 1940 and they run around in like these tight suits and like they have like thick Coca Cola glasses and they like read books all day and you know, like they're real nerds. (laughs) And they go to California and they're completely freaked out by them and they can't relate with them. 
um, and they're so like tightly wound, like you know how you can imagine the Germans under the Prussian, under like old Wilhelm, right? I like to call him Big Willie, right? Kaiser Wilhelm. And before World War One, they had the big Kaiser, the, the Caesar, and Hitler was trying to like be like him, right? He wanted to be Caesar, Julius Caesar. Right. So the Germans, they think of themselves as the predecessors of Rome. They think the successors of Rome. They think that they are the descendants of the Roman Empire. Ubermensch. The Ubermensch. And that's where we're getting into this whole... Um, so these guys escape from that. They come, but they're also still... They were like... They lived in such strict... Uh, they grew, the German society is so strict and they're so tight, uptight. And they come to America and they're so shocked by what they see. And they see like the frivolous nature. They see how people are um, being mind controlled. They're saying, how is it possible that they're being exploited by the capitalist and don't complain? Like the book, uh, What's Wrong with Kansas? Did you ever read that? No, who wrote that? Um, it's a famous book. And they're basically saying like, how can it's basically the same theory over and over again. It's like, how can people who are being oppressed by capitalists and having their rights taken away um, and being controlled, how can they support the system? Right? How can they be loyal? Right? Yeah. And uh, and it's this whole uh, head trip. Um, and they studied this. And that's like the whole Frankfurt School critical theory. And that's the basis for also um, what's going on with uh, Black Lives Matter, with neo-Marxism and postmodern, um, uh, this whole thing that's happening right now. Um, it's all connected. I was trying to, to find Frankfurt a good, uh, I was trying to find a good uh, BLM soundbite. Uh Oh, well, if you could uh, here we go. play oh, oh, some of the oh. clips from my first podcast, my first episode, where they're, they're calling for the overthrow of the, uh, they're calling for the overthrow of the government. Bitch ass, faggot ass, punk ass, pussy ass, bitch ass, nickel! You want to do something, bitch ass, nickel! <laughs> they're basically, they're saying, back in the 40s, they laid out the plan for the overthrow of America where they said, we're going to indoctrinate the generations. We have the 100-year plan, the long march with our comrades to um, destroy America. And they're going to indoctrinate the schools, they're going to take over the school systems, and they're going to start redefining everything. And you have all these studies, you've got like social studies. you have social studies in school? Oh, is that a question? Do I have social studies in school? Yeah, did you, when you went to high school, did you have social studies? Uh, man, I'm. That's a it's a it's a day haze and a daze. I don't know. Oh, I, I was homeschooled and then I was public schooled and I was private schooled. Okay. Uh, mostly well, probably not because I was mostly going to Christian schools, so there wasn't too much Marxism, more just creationism. Okay. Well, in New Jersey, um, we had you know the Marxist takeover of communist uh, Ch communist China, New Jersey. Uh, we had social studies. And now it's going into gender studies and, you know, uh, 
all different African studies and all of these different studies, they're all derived from um, the, the uh, Frankfurt School and this whole um, this whole uh, plot to take over America. And that's kind of one of the other themes that we, we cover in, in, in the Stream of Random podcast. Shout out Stream of Random. Yeah. Hey, man, hey, I, listen got a, to, yeah. I got another show coming up, so I'm going to have to wrap. You want to play us out with one more of your clips? I oh, definitely man. want to it, do this again soon. We need to do a part two on this for sure. Well, I wanted to get Chicken Jar on the show for some uh, com- comedic uh, interlude. Oh, yeah. We got to do that. He's he's fun. He's a fun guy uh, to hang out with. Now, how do you know? Is he... Uh... I can't. Is he the? Is he your brother-in-law, or is that a different guy? No, he's not my brother-in-law. So Chicken Jar. How do you know, know Chicken Jar? So I, my wife is from the old country, from Kosovo. And back in 2007, I started a mission there to um, to bring open source to Kosovo, and I started okay. a, a a nonprofit, which is still alive today, and they're organizing conferences and stuff. And I met him through that effort. And then he eventually studied in America, in Utica. And uh, we've been in contact. And he uh, now recently went back to the old country to uh, work on his dad's business. So, yeah, I know him through uh, my open source work, actually. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, I like the way he thinks. But, yeah, he's, he's cool. So, yeah, we'll definitely... Um, here is that in, your uh, phone? It's not me. Oh, someone's calling me. Hold on. No worries. <sighs> yeah, I gotta, gotta get going. Post. Yeah, fix I gotta, I gotta bounce too. We gotta. Uh, but yeah, um, chicken jar. Thank you so much. We'll come on next time, man. And uh, oh, thanks can I, again. Can I give a shout out to uh, Fletcher? Hey, Fletcher, in the morning, uh, in the smoker, because uh, you had me on your show. Uh, Chris, and thank you so much. Fletcher invited me to come onto the uh, onto the uh, hog story now. Oh, that hog story is great. So you'll you'll have a lot of fun with that. They're, they're I awesome. love the hog story. They're so crazy. Six pack. <laughs> <laughs> the, the old Fletcher. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Mike. And uh, the links, okay. if you're listening, to find stream of random uh, yeah. will be in the show notes of the podcast. And oh, yeah, man, easy. let's, uh, let's do it again here in the next couple of weeks or at least within a month. And can I give the NATO call sign? Yes. So it's, um, a as in alpha N as in, uh, Oh shit. What is N Norbert in German? I always forget N what's the NATO alphabet for N man. Uh, Norbit like the Eddie Murphy movie. No, <laughs> I have no North idea. Pole. Oh, I, I ruined it, man. I ruined it. Well, hey, uh, you win some okay, and you see lose. See you later, some. man. Take care. Hey, um, a at anchor.fm slash uh, S-T-R-E. Yes. Uh, I'll have Spotify and Anchor and any other, just any other links you want me to put in the show notes, I'll definitely put in there. Thanks again, man. And if you're listening right. live, hearing about... An hour, hour and a half tops. We will be doing our Blue Beam episode with Booberry and the the behind oh, the schemes man. guys. So that's awesome. And All right, have fun. Hey, in the morning, man. Thank you. For Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> See you, man. I'm starting to think that I'm dead. I'm going to tell you about a dream I once had.
I know that's, you know, when someone says that, that's usually you're in for a very boring next few minutes. And you might be, but it sounds like, you know, what else are you going to do, right? Anyway, I read this essay by Philip K. Dick. What, you read it in your dream? No, no, I read it before the dream. It was the preamble to the dream. It was about that book, um, Flow My Tears, The Policeman Said. Do you know that one? Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he won an award for that one. Right, right, that's the one he wrote really fast. It just like flowed right out of him. He felt he was sort of channeling it or something. But anyway, about four years after it was published, he was at this party and he met this woman who had the same name as the woman character in the book. And she had a boyfriend with the same name as the boyfriend character in the book. And she was having an affair with this guy, you know, the chief of police. And he had the same name as the chief of police in his book. So she's telling him every, you know, all this stuff from her life and everything she's saying is right out of his book. So that's really freaking him out, but you know, what can he do? And then shortly after that, he was going to mail a letter and he saw this kind of um, you know, dangerous, shady looking guy standing by his car. But instead of avoiding him, which he, you know, he said he usually would have done, he just walked right up to him and said, can I help you? And the guy said, yeah, I, I ran out of gas. So he pulls out his wallet and he hands him some money, which he says he you know, never would have done. And then he gets home and he thinks, well, wait a second. This guy, you know, he can't get to a gas station. He's out of gas. So he gets back in his car. He goes, finds the guy, takes him to the gas station. And as he's pulling up at the gas station, he realizes, hey, this is in my book too. This exact station, this exact guy, everything. So this whole episode is, is kind of creepy, right? And he's telling his priest about it, you know, describing how he wrote this book. And then four years later, all these things happened to him. And as he's telling it to him, the priest says, that's the book of Acts. You're describing the book of Acts. And he's like, I've never read the book of Acts. So he, you know, goes home and reads the book of Acts. And it's like, you know, uncanny. You know, even the characters' names are the same as in the Bible. And the book of Acts takes place in 50 AD when it was written, supposedly. So Philip K. Dick had this theory that time was an illusion and that we were all actually in 50 AD. And the reason he had written this book was that he had somehow momentarily punctured through this illusion, this veil of time, and what he had seen there was what was going on in the book of Acts. And he was really into uh, Gnosticism and this idea that this demiurge or demon had created this illusion of time to make us forget, you know, that Christ was about to return and the kingdom of God was about to arrive. And that we're all in 50 AD and there's someone trying to make us forget, you know, that, you know, God is imminent. And that's what time is. That's what all of history is. It's just kind of this continuous, um, you know, daydream or distraction. And so I read that and I was like, well, that's weird. And then that night I had a dream and there was this guy in the dream who was supposed to be a psychic. But I was skeptical. I was like, yeah, he's not really a psychic. And I'm just thinking to myself. And then suddenly I start floating, like levitating up to the ceiling. And as I almost go through the roof, I'm like, okay, Mr. Psychic, I, I believe you. You're a psychic. Put me down, please. And I float down, and as my feet touch the ground, the psychic turns into this woman in a green dress. And this woman is Lady Gregory. Now, Lady Gregory was Yeats's patron, this you know, Irish person. And though I'd, I'd never seen her image, I was just sure that this was the face of Lady Gregory. So we're walking along, and Lady Gregory turns to me and says, let me explain to you the nature of the universe. Now, Philip K. Dick is right about time, but he's wrong that it's 50 AD. Actually, there's only one instant, and it's right now, and it's eternity. And it's an instant in which God is posing a question. And that question is basically, do you want to, you know, 
be one with eternity? Do you want to be in heaven? And we're all saying, no, thank you. Not just yet. And so time is actually just this constant saying no to God's invitation. I mean, that's what time is. I mean, and it's no more 50 AD than it's 2001. You know, I mean, there's just this one instant and that's what we're always in. And then she tells me that actually this is the narrative of everyone's life. That, you know, behind the phenomenal difference, there is but one story. And that's the story of moving from the no to the yes. All of life is like, no thank you, no thank you, no thank you. And then ultimately it's, yes, I give in. Yes, I accept. Yes, I embrace. I mean, that's the journey. I mean, everyone gets to the yes in the end, right? Right. So we continue walking. And uh, my dog runs over to me, and so I'm petting him, really happy to see him. You know, he's been dead for years. So I'm, I'm petting him, and I, and I realize there's this kind of gross, oozing stuff coming out of his stomach. And I look over at um, Lady Gregory, and she sort of coughs. She's like, <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> and there's vomit, like, dribbling down her chin, and it smells really bad. And I, I think, well, wait a second. That's not just the smell of vomit, which is, you know, doesn't smell very good. That's the smell of, like, dead person vomit. You know, so it's like doubly foul. And then I realized I'm actually in, you know, the land of the dead. And everyone around me was dead. My dog had been dead over 10 years. Lady Gregory had been dead a lot longer than that. When I finally woke up, I was like, whoa, that wasn't a dream. That was a visitation to this real place, the land of the dead. So what happened? I mean, how did you finally get out of it? Oh, man, it was just like one of those, like, life-altering experiences. I mean, I, I could never really look at the world the same way again after that. Yeah, but I mean, like, how did you, how did you finally get out of the dream? See, that's my problem. I'm, I'm like, I'm trapped. I keep, I keep thinking that I'm waking up, but I'm still in a dream. It seems like it's going on forever. I can't get out of it, and I want to wake up for real. How do you really wake up? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not very good at that anymore. But um, if that's what you're thinking, I mean, you, you probably should. I mean, you know, if you can wake up, you should. Because, you know, someday, you know, you won't be able to. So just, um, but it's easy. You know, just, just wake up.